0: Hello, I am Patrick Schwenk, and I am so thankful that you are listening in with me today at Root Like Faith. It is our deepest desire to encourage and equip men and women to be rooted in God's Word, transformed by the love of Jesus, and moved by His mission in the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing is more important. You know, One of the things I love about doing this podcast is that we get to listen to and learn from some pretty amazing people. And today is another one of those opportunities. And so I'm just really excited because we have another special guest, someone Ruth and I have had the privilege of knowing now for a number of years. And we're going to be talking about parenting and the challenge that we all face with raising kids in this digital age. And so we're going to be talking about screen time. Uh, We're going to be talking about social media, gaming, tablets, TV, I mean, you name it. And so I can't wait to share today's episode with you and introduce to you our friend and guest. And so let's get started. Well, my guest today is Arlene Pellicane. Arlene is a speaker and author of several books, including Parents Rising, 31 Days to a Happy Husband, and Calm, Cool, and Connected, Five Digital Habits for a More Balanced Life. Arlene has been a featured guest on the Today Show, Fox and Friends, Focus on the Family and Family Life Today, and serves as the host of the Happy Home Podcast. She lives in San Diego with her husband, James, and their three children. Arlene, welcome to Root Like Faith.
1: It is so great to be with you, Pat. Thanks for having me.
0: yeah, I feel like the roles have been reversed. Um, yes, yeah, <laughs> I've had you
1: on my podcast and Ruth on my podcast. so this is fun.
0: this is fun. yeah, i I, I don't know which I'm uh, you know, I was pretty nervous to be on your podcast, but it's kind of nervous <laughs> to be on this end too yeah. Yeah, nerve-wracking. So um no, this is super fun. This is. Just a lot, I, you know, as I was saying in the intro, you know, Ruth, I've known you now for a number of years, and so you're yeah. more than a guest, and um, you, you're a um, our, our friend, and so we just are so grateful for your ministry. You know, you have been writing and speaking and blogging. I mean, really along the same themes that that Ruth and I have been over the last ten years, yeah. and so we're just so grateful for your voice for your ministry. It's so needed you know, in in today's culture. And we're going to be talking about a new book that you have along with Dr. Gary Chapman that's releasing actually several books, one that was basically um, revised and yep. is being re-released and then a new book that, that will go along with that. And so we're going to be talking about that in just a few minutes, but I, I want to just brag about your family for a second. Can I do that?
1: Sure you can. It's usually my job, but I love it. You yeah. brag about them too.
0: No, that's right. No, I just want to say to our listeners, you know, when I was diagnosed early on, you know, I was diagnosed with cancer in January of 2018 and then started treatment, I think in February, but you guys sent you and your family sent us a, um, just a really, really nice card, but also you sent our kids water guns <laughs> and that just meant the world, uh, you know, to us and to our kids and and to me. And so I just want to say thank you and just tell our listeners, like, you're the real deal. And so Mm -hmm. we're just so grateful uh, for you guys, for your family. And, you know, when I I received those, I think it was February, I didn't think too much about it because it was winter in Michigan. But when June rolled around and July rolled around and they started using that, like, I just thought I was off limits because of what I'd been through. But that was not the case. And so I thought you could like go through cancer treatment and your kids still wouldn't try to shoot you with water guns. But that that was not the case. I, I was on the other That's end so of funny. some of those. Um, so I guess I owe you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry about
1: that. <laughs> that. That was not the intention, but, I'm, but I am glad they got to use them. <laughs> they loved them.
0: They loved them. Absolutely. And they didn't just use them on me. But um, but in all seriousness, thank you so yeah. much. It was that. the
1: very least that we could do. You know, when you hear that someone is going through something so big, you just think, what can we do? And so, you know, if you're listening to this, every little gesture, I suppose, matter, but it was, yeah. it was the least we could do.
0: No, well, we greatly appreciated that. Um, let's dive in because you, like I mentioned, you, along with Dr. Gary Chapman, uh, have a new book or really a revised book releasing called Screen Kids, uh, Five Skills Every Child Needs in a Tech-Driven World. And then you also have the book releasing uh, called Grandparenting uh, Screen Kids, How to Help, What to Say, and Where to Begin. We're going to be linking to those books in our show notes. But Ruth and I had the privilege of reading uh, Screen Kids and endorsing that. And it is an excellent book. And I just want to say up front before we start talking about this is not like an anti-technology book. Um, You know, technology obviously is not going anywhere. And so for for our listeners, this is not like – you're not beating up on technology this is about how as parents when we're trying to root our kids in their faith and pass on faith to the next generation how do we deal with technology how do we deal with screen time in a wise way and not underestimating the influence of that and so i just want to state that up front i mean this is an excellent book full of of great practical wisdom lots of research and so i want to i want to talk about one of the things that that you say in the book and i've seen you share Uh, Over the last couple of weeks uh, during the pre-order is that you say that we want our kids to be experts in life, not in gaming or social media. And I I just love that. I I mean, let's just begin in that area. I mean, why is this book so important, especially right now?
1: Yeah. You think of like the skills that children of yesteryear learned, right? Maybe they were strong readers they had common courtesies. They could look Mr. Jones in the eye and say, nice to meet you, Mr. Jones. Right. You know, They knew how to have skills, whether it was chores or, you know, all these different things. And when they were ready to graduate out, you know, they understood things. They, they could do the math to balance their checkbook. They knew how to drive. They'd asked someone out on a date before and had tried that out. You know, they'd done certain things. Well, today's child... So many children are not learning these skills because they're really good at gaming and they're awesome at getting followers at social media, but if they were to go into a new setting where they had to meet someone in real life without a device, let's say, that would be mortifying, you know, it would be really (laughs) challenging. And so it's just this idea that we have these 18 years with our kids, 18 Mm. summers what, how are we going to use them to help them be prepared for life? And, you know, I think of Malcolm Gladwell and the 10,000 hours that he has talked about of being able to master something, you know, 10,000 hours of violin practice. And all of a sudden, wow, you're really a master of good practice, of course. Well, our kids, you know, you have 10,000 hours with them in your home, and the goal is that they would be disciples of Christ when they graduate out, that they would have common courtesy. They would be able to discern what's true and what's not. You know, those are the kinds of things that you want. But unfortunately, so many kids, they're not sure about those things, but they do have 10,000 hours of gaming. They do have 10,000 hours of Netflix and social media. And so that's the rub. And that's why we have to be really careful to ask ourselves, wait a minute, am I making an expert in life? a future adult that will be ready? Or are they just going to be game ready, yeah. but they're not life ready?
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. So, so good. You know, I, I know, you know, one of the things that you talk about in the book, you cite the research that I think the Barner research, that says 78% of parents yeah. uh, feel like that parenting is far more complicated today. And and largely because of what feels like kind of this constant tension that's going on between parents and children. And, and so there's I think so much, um, so much of an influence that, that we cannot underestimate as it relates to screen time and social media. And, you know, especially right now, I mean, this book w- was and is incredibly um, relevant without COVID, but right. we're in the middle of a global <laughs> pandemic where yeah. kids are spending lots of time at home and parents are working from home and they're trying to, to work and, you know, educate their kids. And so like this challenge of, of screen time and how much kids should be playing video games, I think just becomes even more relevant as parents are wrestling with, with some of these issues. And so, I mean, how would you encourage, you know, a parent right now who's working from home, their, their kids are maybe doing, you know, virtual school? I mean, how do they navigate that with kids sometimes spending up to six, seven hours, eight hours, you know, in Zoom classes?
1: Absolutely. I have kids in school, sixth grade, ninth grade, 11th grade, and they are sitting in front of that computer from about nine o'clock in the morning till three o'clock in the afternoon. And then they're on the computer again for their homework. And I'm like, when are you going to not be frozen in that position? (laughs) So I totally understand that. And so I think a lot of it is during the day, for instance, lunchtime. Make sure lunchtime, you are nowhere near that screen. You are eating nutritious food. You are stretching. You are taking the dog for a walk. You're doing something that's active and that's different. Just help your kids to change channels, so to speak, and get off that computer because you know they're going to jump back on. And then really carve out those evening times. I know one family, every night they have their family walk and they take their dog and that's their tradition and I think that's great. So to have some non-screen activities that are really pleasant, but that they're part of the rhythm. You don't have yeah. to think about it. Oh, should we do that? It just happens. So have those things there in place. And then, you know, it, it is so difficult because the longer your child is on screens, the, the more it becomes a habit, you know, and they get kind of used to it. Yeah. And then they get kind of like, oh, I don't really feel like doing X, Y, Z because I'm just kind of used to sitting here right. and passively sitting here and so I think that is the point where the parent has to be the the deterrent, the one that's kind of poking him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to say, okay, yeah, we we gotta get up now. Right. And and to be honest with you, as adults, we feel the same way too. We don't wanna yeah. go out and do a new activity right. <laughs> either. So, but we have to be the ones to say, okay, let's let's go to the lake. Okay, let's go for a drive. Hey, we're taking out the board game. Okay, right. we're doing the puzzle. Hey, we're gonna write a letter to grandma now, whatever it is, but we're gonna, we're gonna kind of poke at him to do something totally different that's completely offline.
0: Yeah, that's great. I think those are, you just offer some really, really practical ways um, to sort of disrupt that that uh, rhythm that we're all sort of in right now because yes. of COVID. And, and I, you know, I, one of the things that, that we um, did for a short time, and we were not perfect at it by any means, you can ask our kids, but, you know, we would do like a Sabbath right. Re- this worked better, you know, before they started school, but um, we would do like a Sabbath rest from social media. Over the weekend. And so that was just like a really healthy way for us to disconnect from screens. And we didn't always do it perfectly. And sometimes I got caught, you know, going on Instagram, Ruth would say, what are you doing? (laughs) You know, nothing. (laughs) Um, Just out of habit, I'd pull it up. But that was that was a really, really healthy way of, of kind of disrupting just that normal pattern of being, you know, in front of a screen and so that that we found to be very very helpful. And that's obviously yeah. been a little bit more challenging now that kids are back in school and and uh, needing to do, you know, homework over the weekend that kind of a thing, but that was super helpful for us.
1: Yeah. And that could be done, you know, you could do a certain weeknight after dinner, you know, say, hey, is everybody's homework done? Okay, great. Then we're all going to go offline for a little bit. So you can kind of change it. But that idea of a digital Sabbath is so good. And we talk about that in Screen Kids. Uh, And there was an author, uh, William Powers, who did it. And he just what I love about it was they went offline from Friday night to Monday morning. Mm-hmm. But what I love about it is they hated it at first. Yeah. So, you know, you hear these things and you think, oh, you know, it's like detox. it, didn't, it yeah. didn't work the first time. So I'm going to stop. But no, they hated it. And it took a good few months before they said, OK, this is great. Now we actually look forward to the time where we're offline. Yeah. So don't give up on something just because it doesn't work at first. And it is really good to, you know, when when you get caught doing something, you know, talk to your kids about it, like right. see how mom and dad see how we are so, you know, we are compelled to look at this. Yep. And you can talk about how it's really designed to capture attention and kind of let your kids in on that matrix and be right yep. alongside of them in that struggle. Absolutely. And I think that's a strength, not a weakness.
0: Yeah, that's good. Well, again, the book is Screen Kids Five Skills Every Child Needs in a Tech Driven World. So before we kind of jump in, because, you know, again, one of the things I, I just absolutely loved about the book is the, all the research. And so, you know, our listeners shouldn't be scared by that word. Like this is a really just fun, readable book. And the research is so readable and so, so helpful. And so I want to... Yeah, wanna... it
1: had to be research that I could understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why it's nothing. It's nothing Same here.
0: No, thank you for doing that. No. <laughs> so, so I want to talk a little bit about, about that research in a minute. But before we do that, the, the five skills every child needs... Just really briefly, what are those five skills Yeah, and and why are those those so important?
1: Yeah, we call them the A-plus social skills. So you know about the academic A's, but what if your child had the A-plus skill of affection? They can give and receive love. They know how to do that in appropriate ways. The skill of appreciation, your child says, thank you. Instead of like, is that all I get? You know, but yeah. thank you. They're appreciative. Anger management, that when something upsets them, they don't blow up or go crazy, but they they know how to, how to tell. Is this anger justified, not justified? How can I deal with this anger? You know, that's obviously a very mature skill, but it's something that a kid can start learning. Uh, the A plus skill of apology. Can a child own up for their mistakes and say, man, I did the wrong thing, I'm sorry. Or are they just gonna like, unfollow people or just kind of drop off the planet, you know, how are they going to deal with that? And then the last A plus skill is attention. And this one's particularly important. Just how do they take that wandering mind and bring attention, whether they're sitting in a class in person or virtual, whether they're listening to a sermon, whether they're listening to mom or dad telling them what they need to do next, you know, can yeah. they focus and pay attention?
0: Yeah. So good. I, I was so excited to see that you cite a study from the university of Michigan. So our listeners will know that Ruth <laughs> and I are diehard Michigan fans, yes. uh, season ticket holders for Michigan football. So go blue to all of our, our Michigan football <laughs> listeners. Um, and I noticed in the book that you cite a study uh, you know some research from the University of Michigan where they looked at data from from over fourteen thousand students. Now these are college students, but they found that for that, that students, college students are forty percent less empathetic than they were twenty years ago. And so that, that just kind of ties into what you're ta- you know some of those those skills that you're talking about on a relational level. I read that and I was just shocked by that. Yeah, because
1: it used to be our orientation would be like face-to-face, like real people. So if someone falls down, you're like, oh are you okay? Let me help you. You know, but today it's all, you're, you're online. It's just this little phone. So in my mind, like if someone falls down, you don't even notice because you're (laughs) looking through your email. You didn't even see that someone fell down. And then if they did fall down, you like take this little picture, hashtag fall, you know? So it's just different that people are not empathetic towards each other like they used Mm. to. And they don't have as much practice looking at someone's face and seeing them kind of tear up or seeing them get kind of red in the face because they're getting mad, you know, they don't have that practice because yeah. you can't tell those things in texts and posts. And so we're just not quite as good at that. And, of course, there's that layer, veneer of kind of fakeness on social media that right. you could be kind of every, anything you want to be. So that that real relationship that young people, you know, that's that's harder to come by. And I think that's why we see those empathy numbers.
0: Yeah. And how else do you see? I mean, cause that that piece of research was so fascinating to me and i mean what what other ways do you see technology you know really shaping kids in in a negative way relationally i mean you've mentioned some of those already yes. but what else have you noticed that you that you talk about in the book
1: yeah i think part of it is people are texting instead of talking mm. so texting is good to say like i'm at the parking lot you know like <laughs> come pick me up like that's awesome texting is amazing but Texting is not like having a conversation, even if it's paragraphs and paragraphs, like like we old people do. We talk yeah. into our phones and it makes <laughs> paragraphs. But look, teenagers, kids, they don't have paragraphs. They just have like three letters. Right? Yeah. So that is not conversation. And so I think that's a huge thing when you look, let's say, at a, a cafeteria and where you used to see kids talking to each other and laughing together and all this stuff. and But instead, now you would see kids on their phones. Yeah. And they might be showing each other things and laughing at them, or they might be texting a person at the uh, you know table next to them, but that's not conversation. And so we're really unable to communicate in the way that we used to. It's funny, you think we're advancing, you know, right. technology is so advanced, but I'm sure the letters that high schoolers wrote, you know, a hundred years ago yeah. were much more advanced in thought and what, you know, what they're, you know, it, it was yep. much more meaningful then you know, IDK, I don't know. You right. know, it's just like it's like it's so it's so funny. Our our technology is so advanced, but our communication is kind of primitive. Yeah, you know, it's, it's very, dumbing us down. Very basic.
0: That's so true. So
1: I think that conversation piece for kids—they need that to be able to obviously meet a mate someday, yeah. to be a parent someday, to have a really thriving relationship with God someday. All of those things are are basic skills our kids need.
0: Yeah. It's so funny. I mean, 20 years ago, I mean, I've been in pastoral ministry for, I guess, almost 20 years now. And I started out as a youth pastor. And I remember I was probably, it was maybe three years into my youth ministry days. And I remember that's when text messaging came out. And I remember standing in the church sanctuary and I had just gotten a new flip phone, which was like, you know, amazing, amazing, you know, and it had text message. And I, I, I can tell you exactly where I was standing when I made the comment to one one of the other pastors, nobody's going to be texting. Like I, this oh, is funny. like this is silly, you know. And now it's, it's like what you're saying, like to, to oh, actually buddy. call somebody and get them right. on the other line is is a real uh, accomplishment in and of itself. Yeah, and it's so, um, yeah, that is so good. You know, one of the other things, one of the other pieces of research that I thought was really fascinating is just what it's doing to kids' brains. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you talk about this study that was done by uh, the National Institute of Health, and they talk about MRI scans. they, They found that there's significant differences in the brains of children who reported using smartphones, tablets, and video games more than seven hours a day. Now I know that some of our listeners are going to go, well, there's no way my kid is spending seven hours, you know, but I think when you start for, for a lot of families, when they start adding up the amount of time, whether they're in school, or they're, they're mm-hmm. playing a video game and then they're on Facebook or they're on Instagram or Snapchat, if they, if they have any of those, like that adds up pretty quickly. Um, and then the research also you, that you cite in the book says that children who reported spending more than two hours a day on screens got lower scores on thinking and language tests. Um, They also said that brain scans showed that kids with a lot of screen time had a premature thinning of the cortex, uh, the outermost layer of the brain, which processes information from the five senses. Uh, When your child is on screens, he is not exercising his five senses in the real world, and that part of the brain starts to decline. Uh, The cortex gets thinner over time, usually around age 60, but that same thinning is happening much sooner now. In kids, of course, I took all of that from from the book, yeah. but I mean, talk about that for a minute. I mean, there's something very real that is yes. happening in the brain, isn't there?
1: Yeah, you just have to think that your child's brain is this growing organ and that it really does matter what you feed it. So it's just the same way if your child was eating junk food from morning till night, you know, yep. morning Cheetos, <laughs> afternoon Doritos, <laughs> yep. you know, dinner time Funyuns, you know, they're eating that all day long. Like they're going to have a problem. Right. And the same is true with the brain that if they're getting this constant screen time, and I know it makes us nervous because we think, oh, my goodness, we their kids are already on screens like that for school. Right. And so part of it, too, is just being able to pivot back to not being on screens a whole lot when we do go back to school in real life. So that's one thing to prepare for. But it is good to understand that, okay, when the brain is on screens, there are certain parts that are active and other parts that go dark. So for instance, when your child's playing video games, a lot of times they have this like fight or flight. It's like, I'm running, Mm -hmm. or I've gotta get out of here, or I've gotta shoot this guy, you know, or whatever it is that they're watching. It's like fight or flight, I gotta do something. And that blood, instead of going to the prefrontal cortex of the brain, which is basically the part that has, is self-control and regulates mood and emotion and all those things, it, it bypasses that part. And it just goes to those primitive functions of let's get this kid breathing. Mm. Let's make sure that the heart is pumping. So it just goes into all those areas. So your child, there's a reason why you're like, okay, could you come to dinner? And they're not responding to you because <laughs> right. that executive part of their brain that says I should answer my mother yeah. or you know my dad has asked me to come to dinner for three times <laughs> that part is starved not getting any blood not getting any stimulation and instead they're just like I gotta get out of here mm-hmm. I gotta get out you know it's they're playing this game and they're they're all so just to realize there is something happening in your child's brain but the good news is is this is something you can do about. Like there are a lot of physical problems that might be hereditary, for instance, or you know something you can't do anything about. But this, this is something you can do something about. Like you can actively protect your child's brain. Yeah. And a lot of that comes from limiting how much screen time that they're going to get.
0: Yeah, that's so good. And just so, so important. I just love the, uh, the analogy, the illustration there of, of what our kids are eating. And, uh, and then what we're allowing them to, to take in and digest with the brain and just the impact that that has, you know, this is a real challenge, um, as you know, not only for kids, but for parents. And so I know, um, you know, it is, it's a challenge in our kids. Like I was sharing earlier when we would do some of those Sabbath rests from, from social media, they would catch me or Ruth would catch me, you know, checking my Facebook and, so, I'll be the first one to admit I, I don't yeah. always uh, do it the right way. And there are just times where I you know, I just check my phone out of habit and right. nobody's calling. I have no notifications, but it just becomes a habit. And so, I mean, this is a challenge not only for for kids, but for parents. And so what advice do you give to parents in this area? I mean, how do we you know, sort of cultivate uh, just a, a, you know, a life that that is modeling how to use technology in in a healthier, more God-honoring way. And, you know, what kind of example can we set?
1: Yeah. And I think a lot of it comes to kind of like when you know that you're being manipulated, it it makes you Mm. more resistant. And so with social media, with the phone, just the knowledge of, wait a minute, there have been people, you know, so uh, Tristan Harris from the Center for Humane Tech, he's a Google design ethicist, former Google design ethicist. And he talks about how there are a thousand people on the other side of your screen who have just painstakingly worked on it to make it as addictive as possible so that, you know, you've tagged a person and now, Oh, that person wonders what photo did I get tagged? Like that is all by design to get you to touch your phone. So I think once you realize, wait a minute, they have designed this not to be a neutral slate, not to be just a nice neutral tool, but they've designed this. So I will pick it up as often as possible and that I will give my attention to it because I am the product and they want to sell my information of what I do to other yeah. people. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Once you kind of yeah, understand like I am being manipulated, I think it gives you that I am going to put that down all day Saturday. Right. <laughs> I do not <laughs> you need to use that. I need whole to, new you know, motivation. They don't, my, yeah. they don't need my attention. So part of it is just learning more to learn that, Oh, this isn't just like a fad that everyone has to do. This isn't like this nice neutral tool. But to realize, okay, wait a minute, this is really set up to make me want to touch it, to make my children want to touch it. And that's why in the book we really advise parents not to give your children personal devices. That's the thing. It's in their pocket now. So imagine how hard it is for you as an adult. Now you've got a sixth grader who's got an iPhone in their pocket. So of course he or she's going to want to touch it all the time. So we really recommend push back those devices as long as possible possible. And you will save yourself so much trouble. There's not a parent on the earth that's like, man, I wish I would have given this iPhone sooner. You know, (laughs) what have I been missing? You know, nobody says that. They say the opposite. Like what in the world was I thinking when I gave my child who signed a contract,
0: you know, the phone, what was I thinking? (laughs) That it's so good. And, you know, I think that, um, we're going to, in just a moment, I think, end with that really practical question of like, okay, now how do we Set some boundaries, you know, as it relates to technology, screen time. Um, but the, you know what you're touching on is it really is. I mean, th- this is I think for families, for Christian families, th- this is a way to really be countercultural. Yeah. And it is so. I mean, you just talk to other families sometimes. I mean, every parent is wrestling with this. And you know, how old should my child be before they get their own phone? And when should they be allowed to get Instagram or Facebook? and i mean if you're in the camp that that delays that until they're teenagers or until they're they're even out of high school until or, they're 40. or until they're 40 exactly <laughs> that's right i mean it's like you know you might as well have two heads yeah i mean okay. people look at you like like you're an alien if you if you set boundaries sometimes you know yeah. if you only allow your kids to play 30 minutes of video games or whatever and so it really does require I think a parent to say you know what i, I want to honor god first and foremost i want to please him i want to do what's right and and healthy you know for my kids in the long run even if that means displeasing them right now and so that can be a real challenge for parents just to understand that that they're going to have to like tell their kids no <laughs> they yes. and they have permission to do that they're in a place of a spiritual authority as their as parents And, um, and just being really wise about that, but, but it is a real, real challenge. And so I want you to speak as we close, I want you to speak to the parent that is wrestling with some of these questions that we're talking about. And how do you help that parent set boundaries for their kids in this area of, of screen time and technology?
1: I think we start with the why. Why is this important to you? What, you know, why is this important to your child? And, you know, I just think of this whole idea of root-like faith, that we're trying to build this faith in our children. And in Psalm 1, it talks about happy is the man, so blessed. Blessed is the man, blessed is a boy, blessed is a girl who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, right? And there's a lot of ungodly stuff. When you give your child that window to YouTube, to Netflix, to yeah. video games, there's a, a lot of ungodly stuff that your child is going to encounter. If you take a child, you, Oh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm memorizing verses on my f- tablet, you know,
0: nobody <laughs> nobody's doing that. Right.
1: And so when you realize there is this pervasiveness of evil that is out there in your technology, and it starts with, you know, the counsel of the ungodly, then you're standing in the path of sinner. So now I'm, you know, I'm getting kind of comfortable. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to these new places and I'm going to them often. And then they sit in the seat of the scornful. And now all of a sudden, all these values that your parents have been wanting to instill in you here, you've given your child a device and that's taking them a totally different direction. And I think when we as parents kind of get that leadership on and say, wait a minute, I'm not going to, be the one that gives my child a device that allows them to go to these places that are totally taking away from God because I want them to be like that tree planted by the rivers of water that delights in the word of God. So boy, this, the phone, social media, YouTube, Netflix, video games, that's going to most likely pull your child away. So first get that why in place and really realize it is your child's, ultimately their soul that as is at risk. And then closely following, you know, is the mind for their schooling and their body for their, for their health, all those things. And so once you get that, like, wait a minute, wake up call, I don't want to wait for disaster. I better do something now. Then you can assess, you know, what are the things when, you know, when you're talking to your friend and your friend's like, how's it going with screen time? What are the things you talk about? Oh, I can't believe the video games or, oh, I caught her looking at this or, oh, so whatever that, oh, is think to yourself, what's a change? That you could make this week that would make a difference in that area. So maybe it is a screen free meal time so that you're connecting once a day, you know, or maybe five times a week with your family, no screens, and you're really building community and belonging so that they don't have to go out for that. So maybe it's that. Maybe it's, oh, I've been letting my child sleep overnight with their phone. And I know they're getting texts in the middle of the night. I know they're tempted to play games in the middle of the night. I got to collect that. So maybe it's, I'm going to sleep with my children's phone under my pillow. You know, so think about what those actions says. Maybe it's an apology. We've allowed you to be on Instagram, but we've noticed that your mood is very different We see that you're in your room a lot more and it doesn't seem to be making you happier. So we're going to do an experiment for a month and we're going to go no Instagram for a month. Then we're going to have this talk again. And so, you know, this is not like this. You can't this isn't a discussion. This is what you're going to tell your child. So don't let them talk you out of it. And they your child isn't going to be like, you know, that's going to be good for me. Yeah. You know, they're going to freak out, you know, <laughs> you have to be ready for the freak out, right, right. but just know that a month later, your child will probably say, mom, dad, you were right. Yeah. Like I'm so much happier now that I'm not doing that all the time. So, so think of what's that pain point and what's a specific action step you could do for it.
0: Yeah. That's so good. I know we could we could keep talking for hours on this subject. There's just so much, uh, so much still to be discussed. And so, I want to encourage our listeners to go get the book. Um, again, Screen Kids: Five Skills Every Child Needs to, uh, to Needs in a Tech Driven World. And then also uh, the book for for those that are grandparents, Grandparenting Screen Kids: How to Help, What to Say, and Where to Begin. And we're going to link uh, to both of those books in our show notes, and so our listeners can go there and um, see how they can follow uh, you and then also um, find out where they can they can uh, get the books and so Arlene thank you so much again for being on Root Like Faith it is always good to talk with you and uh, just so many good takeaways from today so thank you so much for your time and for all the hard work in writing uh, both of these books and re-releasing the book uh, Five Skills or Screen Kids Five Skills Every Child Needs in a Tech-Driven World.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it so much. And also my co-author, Gary Chapman, he appreciates it as well. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Well, you can also follow us on Instagram at Patrick W. Schwenk and at Ruth Schwenk or on Facebook. And as if I don't say it enough already, we are just thrilled that you are joining us and we are welcoming you into our family here at Root Like Faith. And so be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you don't miss an episode.